The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, in a family, uh, in a church, uh, in any group, relationships are very important. And when you look at the Ten Commandments, when they were about to go into their new land that God had given them and promised them, God covers that in the Ten Commandments. The first four deal with man's relationship with God, and then the last six deal with man's relationship with others. And so today we're looking at the Ten Commandments. We did it yesterday, gave an introduction. You'll find this in Exodus 20 and also in Deuteronomy chapter 5. The reason he gave it two times, it was 40 years between those two times. And God says, I need to remind you about this before you go into the land. And uh, he reminded them. So we're reminding us it's not for salvation, but it is a handbook for living. I would say the Ten Commandments. Uh, is a good guide. So we're going to look at that today. This is Bert Harper along with Alex McFarland. And Alex, when we look at the Ten Commandments and people say, well, we, we don't need them anymore. Uh, mm. You know, I yeah, Jesus summed them up into love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, they're summed up in that, but sometimes we need some specifics. And uh, I think the specifics about not stealing, not lying. Uh, I, I believe those are important specifics that we need to look at and live by, you know? Absolutely. And, Bert, it's so great to be on with you, and we certainly do appreciate everybody listening to Exploring the Word. And, uh, you know, the longer I've lived and studied and worked on, well, I've worked on the book you and I have coming out this fall, Bert, and then my previous books, um, I've come to deeply, deeply appreciate the Ten Commandments and God's revealed moral code. And, you, you know, you're right. This is not the plan of salvation. You, you're not born again by attempting to keep the Ten Commandments. You're born again by putting your faith in Jesus, who paid our sin debt on the cross. But it is the the roadmap for living. And imagine what a, you know, Thomas Jefferson said this, what a, a paradise it would be on earth if everybody consistently lived by the law of God and the Ten Commandments. Now, Bert, let me just say this about our country. Uh, America was not created in a philosophical vacuum. I think a lot of people maybe just assume that our country, they just said, okay, here's this continent and we'll just everybody do whatever we want to do. No, you know, George Washington, who was our first president, he was a commander of the Continental Army, he said religion and morality, and by religion, quote-unquote, he meant Christianity, um, but the indispensable foundations of the country were religion and morality. And, of course, John Adams, our uh, second president and our first vice president, and John Adams, they say, is one of the men most responsible for the U.S. Constitution— he said that no government is capable of contending with the power of human passion and sin unbridled by moral truth. And he said, very famously, John Adams wrote, our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people that is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. And by that, they meant, look, we have to police ourselves according to the law of God 
written on every heart and the law of God written in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. But Bert, I, I fear to an almost toxic degree, we've forgotten that these days. Oh, we have, Alex, and it is, but yet at the same time, uh, there's a voice crying in the wilderness that said, make way for the way of the Lord. I think yeah. there's voices crying out and say, listen, this freedom that we have here in America, it did not come free. It cost, and it cost to keep it, and we need to pay the price to keep it. And that's why we need to step up and, and share these things. And the Ten Commandments shows that. And we covered the first two yesterday. We, we looked at an overall view of them. Then we started looking at them specifically, one and two, about uh, it says first, Trust God only, and I'm, I'm breaking it down into a vernacular language. And then it says, worship God only. Don't make idols. But then you come to verse 3, use, do not use God's name in vain. Now, Amen. that has uh, two or three different tentacles to it. Uh, don't Profanity, in other words, that's out. We understand that. And then I would say frivolous talk. You remember what it says in Matthew 12? I think this is an explanation. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. In other words, we better be careful. That's idle words. And then pretense. You remember what it says in Matthew 7, 21? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, taking the Lord's name, not just in a, quote, cursing way, but mm -hmm. using God's name and attaching it to that which is not true is taking his name in vain. It means emptiness. And yeah. so the name of God, that's one of the most important things you can learn in the Old and New Testament. The names, the name and names of God, they are precious, and we better they be are. careful how we use them. Well, you know, let, let me just say this, not only about uh, the name of the Lord, uh, but about the, the way we talk. You know, um, Ephesians 5, 4 talks about our language, and it says avoid coarse jesting. And I, I want to say something. I want your response to it, Bert. And, and look, I am not a legalist. I know we're under grace, and we're set free. But at the same time, Bert, I, I've never really been comfortable when people say, oh, my God, too much. Now, I know when we think of taking the Lord's name in vain, we think, like you said, of, of cursing, and that's just never, never, never accessible the way people take the Lord's name in vain. But I think to treat the name of God lightly and people say, people say, oh, my God, just like it's a, an expletive or, a, or a, an emotional reaction, I think when we don't revere and value the name of the Lord, that's that commandment of we're taking it in vain. We can also in a moment, but let's talk about you know, wholesome, godly, Christ-honoring speech, but to use the name of the Lord in a flippant, um, nonchalant way, um, that's not appropriate, is it? It is not, and you stated it well. I, I agree with you 100%, and, and again, be careful what you say, how you say it, and, uh, you know, it says about a people, it says, don't say, thou fool. I mean, that's mm, about human, yeah. human beings. If God set that up about human beings, how much more important it is with the perfectness of God in his name. 
And, you know, the name of God, it has authority. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And, and that is the authority of the name. It comes with authority, and you use it in such a way that is appropriate and inappropriateness of frivolous talk, of coarse talk, like you said, or even jesting in pretense. Um, it mm. is that vanity. And Alex, uh, again, as believers in Christ, you said don't be legalist. But, but I just want to tell you, legalism is wrong, but license is not right either. In it, other right, words, it exactly. doesn't mean I'm free to do everything I want. I'm free to do what I should do as a follower of Christ. And uh, we need to take that more seriously, I believe. Exactly. And, and let's remember that God is our creator. God is our savior. Um, God is eternal. And as much as we have in Christ and, and we are set free and we are uh, joint ears with Jesus, but there's always there's a, a, an ever-deepening reverence for the Lord that I think we always have to reflect on and keep before us, that he is a holy God. You know, Isaiah, uh, he said, woe is me. You know, I'm a man of unclean lips. Uh, woe is me, for I have seen the Lord. And I mean, um, you know, I've quoted this many times, and forgive me for being repetitious, but that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But I think we have to reflect on who God is just all the time and and just live in awe that we could be known by a holy, righteous, eternal God. Amen. Now, Alex, you're just talking about apologizing for using that song. Don't you know it's fine to use songs and choruses again and again, but a preacher better not preach the same sermon two times. Yeah. That's true. I know. I know. Somebody is and, writing it in their Bible. Bert Harper yeah. preached this on this certain day. And 20 years later, I use that same text and they say, Pastor, you preached on that 20 years ago. And yeah. uh, so, anyway, I, I thought it'd have some fun. But yes, the sacredness of God's name, there that is the name above every name. Let's introduce the Sabbath day. We may not finish it yeah. in this segment. Let's talk about it. Let's start it from the book of Genesis. On the seventh day, after God had made all the things he made, he rested. Now, let me see. Is there a—I'm asking, you know, setting it up. Is there a connection between Sabbath and rest, Alex? Well, a, a big connection. Yeah, yeah there is. Tell us that is, connection. Is. This is a beautiful thing. And if you've never studied this, I think you'll be blessed as you see that progressing. One more thing, and I'll throw it back to you. They were going into a pagan land, and I'm I, we using that word a lot. It's a, a a land filled with 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 wickedness and with murder. It was just a horrible land, and uh, they were using the land. They were farming the land. They didn't re let the land rest. That was going to change. They didn't have a day of rest. They did it all the time. And God says, "I want this people to be a different people." And one of the things that made them different was. The day of rest, wasn't it? Well, it, it really was because the day of rest is a reminder of the one in whom we rest. You know, uh, I was looking up that word in Exodus 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Um, the, the word remember, you know, it, it really means to invoke. In, in other words, remind yourself, because as we talk about very often in Hebrews chapter 4, 
um, when you've got a relationship with Jesus, you've put your faith in Christ, you're, you're born again, you're secure in Christ, you are in the Sabbath rest, because remember he said the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And so we remember or we invoke or we, and the word can also mean extol the Sabbath, because what it is, it's, it's the one who is the personification of the Sabbath. And, uh, Bert, let, let me just say this, too, that, um, you know, as a born-again Christian, we have assurance. Uh, it was my joy, oh my goodness, what a privilege, on Monday uh, to lead a, a gentleman to Christ. And we were talking for an hour after this man prayed to accept Christ. He, was, he said, I feel good. I just have, I have, and I said, what, a peace? He said, yeah, that's it. That's it. He said, he said, inside, I feel peace. Yeah. And see, look, we are forever in a state of, of rest. Your mind can be at ease because now you're right with God yeah. as Amen. a believer. Isn't Alex, that a- that's beautiful. And it is a rest. It is a peace. Every time I hear this, my mind goes to the storm that Jesus was in, and those apostles were scared. And they were seized, most of them, some of them, were seasoned fishermen. And they were still fearful of the storm that came up. They Jesus seen their share out. of storms. Yeah, exactly. Jesus comes out and says, peace, be still. Alex, that's what it does. In the midst of the storms of life as a believer and following Christ, when he is in you, with you, the peace that passes all understanding is a part of our life. That's part of the rest that we're talking about. We're praying that you're at rest. You're at peace with God. Alex and I'll be back with more of the Ten Commandments right after the break. Don't you go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Wally Adeyemo, Deputy Secretary of the United States Treasury. He advises and assists the Secretary of the Treasury and helps formulate and execute policies and programs. 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us of the importance of being a good steward of resources. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask for guidance for Wally Adeyemo in his work at the Treasury Department. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. What's in a name? Dr. Tony Evans says everything when that name belongs to Jesus. We'll learn more today as we turn to Matthew chapter 1 and spend two minutes with Tony. Jesus' name was not given to him by his human mother and father. It says heaven sent a message to Joseph and told Joseph, this is what I want you to name the baby That's not biologically yours, but the one that you will raise. And I want you to call him what his father wants him to be named. I want you to call his name Jesus. The word Jesus means savior, rescuer, or deliverer. It means a savior, a rescuer, or a deliverer. 
The Old Testament name for Jesus was Joshua. Joshua in the Old Testament was the one who delivered the people into the promised land and overcame the enemies in that land. So Joshua, which name in the New Testament Greek is Jesus, had to do with the person who led the way into the place of blessing and who delivered the people from the enemies that would seek to incarcerate them or hold them hostage. So when God wanted to name his only begotten son, he gave him the name of Savior or Deliverer. Learn more about the significance of Jesus' role as Savior, Lord, and more. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. You got pain. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Oh, we love that song. Jesus is the chain breaker, the pain taker, and Jesus wants to be a part of your life. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Uh, Bert Harper here and Alex McFarland. We are in the Old Testament. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. Uh, Exodus 20, uh, 1 through 17, really, and Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 21. And in a few minutes, we will open up the phones and take your Bible questions if you want to call in. And, hey, maybe if you've never called in before, today is your day. You can be a first-time caller, and it's 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840, and we would be most honored to hear your Bible question in a few minutes. But, Bert, you know, before the break, we were talking about the Sabbath and keeping it holy. And then there's a reference to uh, creation, really, in Exodus 29. Six days you shall labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it you shall do no work, uh, neither you nor your son, daughter, manservant, maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger within your gates. Now, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and God rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Okay, uh, I believe, I'm just going to say, because I get this question a lot, uh, do you believe in the Genesis account of creation? I do. And there's a reference. I mean, uh, Exodus 20 takes as literal truth the creation account that we read back there in Genesis 2 and 3, doesn't it? It does, and I'm telling you, that's a great point, Alex, and I'm glad you brought it up. It it, it does that, and again, uh, Alex and I are both, you know, a new earth, a young earth, I should say, and we got folks that don't believe that, don't, uh, 
I believe it's important, but don't make it an issue beyond, you know, uh, following Christ. And uh, yeah. let me read a scripture. It's in Colossians. Listen to this about the Sabbath, and people talk about it today. It's mm-hmm. in Colossians chapter 2. Chapter 2 has it's so much about philosophy. You and I have done a study on Colossians. And, I love Colossians. And every time we do it, we say, we need to get back there. You know, it's just so, yeah. and it's got something to say for our day in the way people think and what they honor. And in Amen. this one, it's chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. It says, therefore, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival, a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. But then the real line, the substance is Christ. That's Amen. what it is. The Sabbath, it's Christ. He's our rest, and he's the one. And people say, why do you worship on the first day of the week? Well, Jesus rose again, and we're celebrating his resurrection. The Sabbath day looked about what he had done uh, in creation. And the two main themes in the Bible is creation and redemption. Now, you have the fall there. I understand that, and it makes it. But you have the creation and and, and the and, and then the celebration of the redemption. Alex, again, um, people want to – I know folks that worship on, on Saturday, uh, the Sabbath. I know a lot of folks, the evangelical churches, they have services on Saturday and Sunday because we're living in a society where Sunday is just another work day for a lot of people, and their jobs require it. And they really appreciate going to church on that Saturday, you know? And mm-hmm. so don't make that – I hope I'm saying this right. And, Alex, you disagree. Uh, jump in and help me out. But uh, it, it, I'm not saying it's not important to worship on the first day of the week. I believe it is. But I'm just telling you here, the main thing is G- worshiping him. And some people, they have to come to church on Wednesday night because – their Sunday is a work day. They're on the police force. They're in the fire department. And this is what they do. So make that one day where you really worship him. Set it aside no matter what you do. You know, Alex? Amen. Uh, well, well, that's true. And uh, we, we are to assemble because Christianity is personal, but it's corporate. I mean, uh, we are the church, and as an individual Christian, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Lord lives in you. But we are part of the church collective, you know, part of the church worldwide, and we are to be a part of a local church. And uh, like you say, I know some people have uh, just unavoidable issues with their employment. They Maybe they can't be in church at Sunday morning at 11 a.m., but they can observe another day that they uh, not only rest, but are part of a corporate body. But let me, um, speaking of the fact that God is our Sabbath, let me just, i got to throw in a little church history here. I almost, I almost chased a rabbit a minute ago. Um, well, about... you know, we don't want to miss chasing at least one rabbit in every show, Alex. We just need to do that, you know? <laughs> the, the word Sabbath, I, I know, uh, which is from a Hebrew word, Shabbat, but um, there's a great hymn of the Reformation, Martin Luther, a, a mighty fortress is our God, and Luther uh, wrote those words, and there, there's a verse yeah. and a word, S-A-B-A-O-T-H, Sabaoth, and, you know, it's talking about Jesus says, does ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And of course, Amy Grant had that famous song, Age to Age. 
Um, but here's the thing. A lot of times, like, like if you hear a mighty fortress is our God, people think that Sabaoth and Sabbath are the same, but they're actually really different from two Hebrew words. Now, the Sabbath rest, and we're in that rest, is Shabbat. But like in Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, I'm not going to even try to pronounce it uh, in the, the Hebrew, but it really means Lord of hosts. And what's amazing is, and Jesus is the Lord Almighty, Lord Sabaoth. He is um, Yahweh in incarnate form. But while God is our refuge and our rest, and Jesus is our Sabbath, he is also the one who in Matthew 28, he said, all power is given to be in heaven and in earth. He is He is the Son of God, God the Son, the Lord Almighty, and we are secure in him. And again, that that's cause for rest and having a, a mind and heart that's at ease. Um, the world right now... <laughs> Here's the understatement of the year. The world's in a, a, a tough place right now. Our nation is in a tough place right now. And I, I hope you're praying for our country. But you know what? In spite of all the news, in spite of all the headlines, we have peace. Because ultimately, we are in the hand of the Lord Almighty, aren't we? Praise the Lord, Alex. And he is rest, and he is the Lord of hosts. He is he is the Lord of hosts that brings the peace. I mean, you know, Amen. he really is. And he Thank brings you, peace to your heart. If you're looking for peace and you don't know where to find it and, and you want some more questions, ask. There's a number you call, 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. They're our partners in ministry, and they will help you to come to that place in your life where you can have that peace that we're talking about, that rest that we're talking about. And Think I, about John 14. Yeah. Oh, man. Do you remember, forgive me for interrupting, but <laughs> yeah. Jesus said, and, and Bert, I just believe somebody out there might need to hear this, but Jesus said, peace I give you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, not, not that kind of peace, but the peace I give to you, the peace of God. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. John fourteen twenty seven, isn't that just a wonderful gift? From it is. God? It's not the peace that you find in a cemetery where it's all is quiet, deadness. No, we're talking about life. We're talking mm-hmm. about living, and we're talking about living life to the fullest. Jesus said, "I came that you might have life and have it what abundantly, uh, beyond." I would say beyond measure, Alex, and that comes through that relationship with Christ that brings peace into your heart. Uh, that is 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 able to receive through Christ, and I pray you do it by faith. Alex, you remember when I brought us in, we was talking about the first four have to deal with relationships with God, mm-hmm. and yeah. the last six deal with relationships with one another. Guess which relationship comes as number one? Family relationships. Isn't that amazing? I don't think that yeah. was accidental. I think uh, God put that there. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. When it comes to relationships with one another, family relationships are so vital and so important. That relationship you have with your mother and your father, that relationship you have with your siblings, and and it is so important. And let me make this. It's the one with a promise. Uh, Mm, It's the first one with a promise. And I look at this two ways. Now, 
I believe it's true with individuals, but I think the truth of this, where it was given, when it was given, and how it's given, has to do more with the land or the nation than it does individual, Alex. In other words, obeying and honoring your father and your mother, it will bring stability to a society. You remember Mm -hmm. when he starts talking about the sins in the last days when everything is chaos? Guess what one of those is? Disobedient to parents. I'm going to tell you. Well, and you know something about uh, that we are not to take the name of the Lord in vain. Well, in a similar way, when verse 12 says, honor your father and your mother, the word honor, oddly enough, really means heavy. Now, what, what does that mean? You you are to take your relationship with your parents, and frankly, the respect, uh, seriously. It, it's a heavy thing, and I don't mean heavy in the sense of, you know, break your back to lift it up, but it gravity, seriousness, significance. Uh, because, look, there are some relationships you, you may never have. You may never get married. You may never be a parent. But every one of us is a child of somebody. I mean, if you're here, you've got a mother and father. Now, um, Bert, frequently people say, well, you know, my family relationships, it wasn't very pleasant, and I've, I've got things I just wish I could forget, understood. But, you know, somehow or another, God in his wisdom allowed us to each be born in the circumstance we were. And uh, we've talked about the fact that I, I truly believe, um, struggles and all, God allows us to be born and raised in the circumstances most conducive for us to come to Christ. God does everything possible to get us saved short of overriding our free will. God doesn't do that. He offers salvation. He doesn't force it. And let me just say, um, maybe you've had the best mother and father ever. Uh, Maybe not so much. But here's the thing. You have the parents that God allowed you to have, and we are to honor them. And like the word says, heavy, grave, serious, significant. Um, do this if if you need to pray and say, God, help me love the parents you gave me or remember them. Maybe one or both of your parents has gone on. But I, I honestly think, again, Bert, the longer I live, family is so significant. And in in the family, we learn how to love, don't we? We do. Alex, have you thought of this? When God sent Jesus to be our Redeemer, he sent him to a family first. Amen. You know? And let me say, it was a traditional heterosexual father-mother, two-parent family. It was, and he had siblings. We know that because of what we've studied, and you know. And so here it is, again, He, God was his father. The Holy Spirit conceived him, but he was born of the Virgin Mary, born into that family as Joseph was, was his father figure, and he was there, and he was obedient. You remember it says that he went and became obedient to his parents. He, he grew up in that home. He grew up in a village of Nazareth in that family. That's the importance of family. That's the importance of father and mother. And notice it says honor. And there comes a time, I remember a conference that I went to, and he says, as long as you're at home and you're of age and you're living with your father and mother, 
you're under their umbrella of authority and protection. And then when you are adult and it's time to move on, you raise up your own umbrella of authority and protection. Mm. You need to do that. But says in place of them being exactly obedient, you still respect their suggestions. You respect their position. And that's what you do. It, again, you're talking about that father and mother that wasn't all that you wanted to be. Uh, I've, I, I love policemen, but I've met some Sweet. policemen that were kind of uh, out of line, okay? They, they took their authority a little bit further than they should have, but guess what I did? I respected that authority. I respected that uniform. So your father and mother may not have been all that they should have been. They may have been far from that, and I understand that. I've seen that as pastor. I've been there in the middle of it trying to help children come out of it, adult children trying to overcome the anger that they had toward those parents. But let me just tell you, forgiveness, don't let bitterness eat up your life. Have you ever Mm. heard that? Bitterness destroys its own container. It's like an acid so oh boy! Say may, that again. That yeah, is brilliant. Bitterness co- destroys the container that it is in, just like acid will destroy that metal that it's in. Don't let it destroy your life. Forgiveness is more for yourself than it is for the person you're forgiving. And it is. Uh, don't live in bitterness, Alex. That father and mother, uh, they weren't what they were supposed to be. Remember this: God is a father to the fatherless. And, and wow. if you've never had a good parent, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the best ever, and he'll love you, and you can love him. And so trust him with all your heart. Hey, Alex, mm-hmm. you're going to take phone calls. What's that number, brother? 888 Stay tuned. When we come back after this brief break, we're opening up the phones for your Bible questions on today's edition of Exploring the Word. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona was pressed by Congresswoman Mary Miller to explain exactly how many sexes there are during a House Education and Labor Committee hearing on the priorities of the Department of Education. The questioning followed a newly released policy where teachers could be disciplined for stating that there are only two sexes. After being pressed on the question three times, Secretary Cardona frustratedly said, I won't be answering your question. He won't say how many sexes there are, yet he proposes to discipline teachers who teach the biological fact that there are only two. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner, 
or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In John 5, verse 24, Jesus said, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has passed from death to life. Michelle and I once moved to a new house where even the trees were new. But those new trees looked awful. The landscaper checked and said, yeah, they're dead. The only remedy for a dead tree is a live tree. You've got to plant something that's alive for it to grow. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you're spiritually dead. The only remedy is new life. Jesus loves you, and he wants to give you new life in his name. And when you're spiritually alive, then you'll begin to see the marks of growth and health in your life. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Amen. I'm praying you're resting in the arms of Jesus. He is the one and only. We're going to go straight to the phone lines. We're going to try to get into as many calls as we can to help you today. And Alex, where did we go first? How about we talk to Cheryl in Arkansas? Cheryl, are you there? I am. Hey, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. So I am a fairly new believer. I say I'm a new believer, but I've been saved for almost two years now, and I was, I'm was doing my daily Bible reading, and today I read chapter 2 of Deuteronomy, and one of the things that I used to resist people who tried to, you know, help me be saved before is, like, the Bible's full of contradictions, but I never read it for myself, so I couldn't really give an example when they were like, okay, show me. Well, in chapter 2 of Deuteronomy, they killed all of the men, women, and children, left no survivors, but the first commandment is thou shalt not kill. So how do I how do I deal with that? Great question, mm-hmm. Cheryl. Hey, yeah. by the way, two years old, welcome to the family and mm-hmm. appreciate you growing. And you asking that question lets me know you're not just feasting on the milk of the word, you're going to the meat of the word and keep growing, Cheryl. I think we have an answer for that. The real word thou shalt not murder is the real word it's the hebrew word and because of the issue of war of the issue of self-defense of the issue of a government uh you know taking the life of someone who has taken the life of another uh alex uh cheryl's asking a good question but it is not a contradiction it's not is it that that's true and and god bless you cheryl thank you for reading the word and listening um, you know, in Deuteronomy chapter 2, uh, and Bert and I have taught on that, the first uh, seven or eight verses are just very beautiful about God leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. But then you get like to verse 14, and there's the call for war. And then in verse 34, it's talking about men and women, quote, utterly destroyed. And you might look at uh, Exodus 
and the thou shalt not kill, and say, well, wait a minute, you know, why all this killing? Bert is right, and, and hey, to our 21st century ears, this takes a little bit of thinking. Murder and killing are not the same thing. The Sixth Commandment says thou shalt not commit murder. But over four centuries, God was leading Israel into the promised land to ultimately raise up the Jewish nation and send our Messiah. And while it is unfortunate that there were battles and the Amorites and uh, the people of the land had to be fought and killed, uh, the thing is... What would have been way worse would be if humanity didn't have a savior. So God uh, called Israel to take that land and the possession of their promised land, uh, unfortunately but necessarily, required some battles, didn't it, Bert? It did. Let me give you an example, Cheryl, of God's mercy, though. The first land or the first city they took was Jericho. But the spies went in, not the twelve, but the two went in, and they found a woman there named Rahab. And she had already gotten her heart right with God and said, we've been waiting on you, and we know that God's with you, and we know they're sh- everybody's shaking in their boots, but, you know, I trust the Lord your God. And they said to her, go to your home, hang that scarlet cord outside the window, and when God and we come in, you and those under your roof will be spared. I just want to tell you, anybody in that group that was saw death had they demonstrated the faith like rahab they would have been saved as well alex i believe that's a great example of god's mercy and grace and you're exactly right there was the greatest need in all the world was a redeemer and Mm -hmm. jesus was doing god was doing what was necessary to bring that redeemer into our world and we thank god for it cheryl thank you for that good question how about we go to Indiana, and we'll talk to Seth. Uh, Seth, are you there? Yes, sir. Thank you guys hey, for having th- me. Yeah, thanks for holding. Uh, what what you got, Seth? Well, I just wanted to, before I ask my question, I just wanted to thank both of you guys. I I drive around a lot, and I get the opportunity to listen to you guys almost every day, and it's, just, it's a real blessing for me to be able to hear you guys talk wow. on the radio. Thank you, Seth. It's a blessing for us, Alex and I, every day. We do. We don't take this for granted. We thank God for what he's laid in our laps to be able to share the Word of God. And not only that, but I got to listen to Alex just uh, Sunday <laughs> preach a sermon in Florida, Indiana, right by where I live. Uh, you were there. D- did you and I get to talk? Uh, we did. Nope. But I, we prayed right before the service there. Oh, wonderful. Well, hey, give my love to everybody. I'm going to tell you, that was that was amazing, and I just fell in love with the people of Indiana. I, so thank you. I got a question but, to ask. How far is Flora from Kokomo? Oh, probably 45 minutes. Okay. Kokomo's my place up there. I've been there and just love it. There's a pastor friend of mine, uh, Steve and Evelyn Sherwood, they're two of the finest people I've ever met in my life. So I agree with you. Some of the finest people I know, Indiana. So, Seth, and, go ahead, brother. Um, I apologize. I'm working right now. Otherwise, I'd have a couple of verses. But I know in the Old Testament, there's a couple ideas, one being the idea not to punish a son for the crimes of his father or a father for the, for the crimes of his son. And then there's another idea, something about uh, – and – their, their descendants will be cursed up to the fourth generation or the tenth generation for 
some sort of sin. So I was, I was just wondering how those two ideas kind of kind of go together. Amen. Man, mm. we're having some great questions today. Alex, is there a difference in a cursing, uh, a sin, and then it being passed down? Uh, to me, there's a big difference. In other words, uh, have you gone to the doctor lately and you have to fill out the history of your family and they'll ask you, uh, you know, what uh, did your parents, either one of them have cancer? Did they have this or that? You know, there are some yeah. things that's handed down that makes you more prone to. Uh, that's not necessarily a curse, is it? No, you know, let me just say this. There are um, repercussions for sin, and then there is the penalty of sin. As I understand the Word of God, the penalty of sin, the guilt of sin, is on the individual who committed it, but the repercussions of sin can definitely ripple down for generations. I mean, you might think of uh, whether it be something like abuse or alcoholism. The repercussions on a family can last for a long, long time, sadly, but the penalty of sin goes uh, to the person who committed it. Um, Exodus 20, verse 5 is a verse that comes to mind. In Exodus 20, verse 5, you should not bow down to idols or worship them. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Listen, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, let me say this. Children of idolaters, who they themselves become idolaters, if they hate God, there's going to be punishment for sin. But it's not the sin of the father that the penalty or the, 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 the way scholars use it is the term forensic. It means legal. The forensic guilt of one person is not transferred to another. But the generational curse, if you will, happens this way. Um, an atheist is more prone to raise atheistic children, uh, although... Sin, we each have to account for our own personal sin. We come to God. But there's penalty and there's circumstance. But I'll say this. Um, if you want your kids to be most likely to become Christians, you be a Christian. Am I right, Bert? You're right on. And just let me share this. Uh, what you do in your life uh, does have repercussions. It's that ripple effect. Throw that pebble into the water and you see the ripple effect. But you remember that song that, the first song we had, we call it bumper music after our first segment. Jesus is what? The chain breaker. Amen. It, it's not just the chain breaker from what binds you. It can be the chain breaker from the from the sins of the fathers. And I've seen it happen again and again where a, a young man or young woman breaks that cycle of sin that set that was set up by their even their grandparents and the parents it sets them up to follow that's kind of what you were saying but mm -hmm. Christ comes along and he invades their life and those chains that they're broken so if you're listening out there and you have a history in your uh, family of of pornography of drunkenness of drug uh, drug addiction whatever it may be Jesus is the chain breaker. He does, you don't have to walk around in those chains that bind you. He will set you free. Praise God. The, the vicious cycle can stop today. It can. If you'll turn to Christ. Amen. Um, uh, we're going to go to David, uh, I believe in Iowa. David, are you there? 
yeah. Can you hear me? Hey, man. Yes, thank you for holding. Welcome. Yeah. Hey, thanks, guys. I really enjoy listening to you in the afternoon. Um, I, I wanted to share, first of all, uh, I, I wanted to share when you were talking about the bitterness, I've heard it said this way, that bitterness is like drinking poison and then waiting for the other person to die. Yeah. Oh. That's always been my mind. Yeah, it's just that's profound. Whoa, it's shocking. Yeah, but um, I, and I just I thought about that earlier, and then I just uh, I called you guys a while back, and I wanted to share a, a prayer request, and um, I, I think we ran out of time, but I just want to pray for my son. Um, he struggles with and is very influenced um, with the whole image. Uh, self-image, uh, the the drag. He's he loves the drag. He loves all that stuff that's out there. And my wife and I, we pray and we do all we can. And you you know you think you know is there more I can do? Is there something I didn't do? And um, and he just really struggles with it. And it's keeping him you know uh, trying to monitor computer and all that. And uh, you know he's 16 now, so. And he has a learning disability, so it's kind of, you know, he, he's kind of on the autism spectrum, so it's really just a tough place. And mm. I know it's a battle for a lot of parents out there. Oh, me. David, our hearts go out. You who are listening, we, we're not saying, just write down David's son, and we're going to mm. bombard heaven right now, and I pray that you will in the next 24 hours, that he would be delivered from this inadequacy and he's trying to fill it with something that is worse that alex have you noticed that you you find yourself inadequate in a word in a way of so many things and and you and a person will turn away and try to fill it with something and it's even worse so would you mind leading us in this prayer alex yes uh let's pray together folks join with us Lord, we thank you that you are the one who makes all things new. And the Bible says that we are complete in Christ and have need of nothing. So I pray for David's son. Dear Lord, even right this minute, may the Spirit of God call out to him and help this young man realize that all that he's really searching for is found in a relationship with Christ. And his identity, the, the real the real person that you've designed him to be comes about as he knows you and grows in you so lord everything you desire to do in the life of david's son we bring it before you and in jesus name for your glory and for his good we lift this young man up to you in prayer right now in jesus name we pray amen Amen. hey amen alex we're going to go to pat next but i want you to bombard heaven for david's son uh, yes. Alex, uh, is Pat all right to go to? Let's go. Yeah, yeah, in sure. Indiana. Pat, Pat go ahead. Please. Yeah, hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I live in between Kokomo and Florida, too, and I'm I'm uh, sad that I missed you last weekend. And uh, maybe I'll get to come back. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, uh, thank thanks again. And um, my question is: My wife asked me the other day, says, "Do you ever have times when you're praying?" that your mind wanders off your prayer into a different thing. And I've had that happen in my life, too, in, the, in my prayer life. And uh, something, sometimes it seems like it's a every, day, every day in my prayer life that that will happen to me. 
is there something happening uh, spiritually within us, or, or is there any uh, Bible verses or anything that we can draw to to help us in that area? Wow. Hey, hey Pat, I want to make one statement. Alex, you take it away, and I may want to add, but we they call us prayer warriors for a reason. Mm-hmm. I, I hope you catch what I'm saying, Pat. It is it's not easy. Uh, the apostles had to be taught to pray. Uh, saying something to God after you're saved seems a little natural, but listen, really praying. Uh, Alex, uh, you let I, I come to uh, Philippians 4, 8. Think mm-hmm. on these things. Think on Christ. Get your mind saturated in Christ, and then go to your prayer closet. Go ahead, Alex. Well, you know, prayer is a joy, and and communicating with the Lord is a joy, but it it is a discipline too, isn't it, Bert? And and you know something, let me just say this. If you're praying and, hey, I've been lying in bed and praying and fall asleep, and the next morning I was thinking to myself, I thought, did I finish my prayer? You know, did I—the Bible says God remembers our frame. He knows that we are but dust. Now, I, I think we ought to invest in our prayer life and, and really seek to become more consistent in prayer. But if we, in our frailty, or maybe we're sleepy or tired, if, we, if our mind wanders and we drift off to sleep, um, I think our merciful Savior understands that sometimes. Don't you, Bert? He does, and he really does. But listen, you saturate your mind as best you can. Find mm-hmm. prayers in the Bible. Uh, Colossians. There's some good prayers there that Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. So find a scripture, uh, lean on that scripture, pray that scripture and the truth of it. I, I think it will be a blessing. Pat, but, thank you for that, brother. Go ahead, Did Alex. you ever hear the, the the old country preacher said, if your day is hemmed in with prayer, it's not going to unravel. <laughs> but Amen. So. Uh, Folks, you've been listening to Exploring the Word, Bert, and I will be back tomorrow with more uh, on the Ten Commandments and your Bible questions. So do us a favor. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.